Deep within a bleak and dismal era, hidden within the murky internet, lies the headquarters of the most sinister peaks of all time, a legion on Zoom. And what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Legion on Zoom. As always and forever, I'm Chez. And I'm Miguel. And I'm Rod. And today is actually a pretty special occasion for those of us who stuck with us this far. Welcome to episode 10. Woo! Woo! And as you guys can hear, you know, it's such a big momentous day that Chess is having a party. As you can clearly hear, there's a party right outside his window of, for us. The people in my neighborhood actually are huge fans of the podcast. So they're throwing a block party in honor of episode 10. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is random street music because it's the Bronx. Yes, <laughs> and, it, it's a, and it's a Friday with a nice weather. So, of course, we're going to have noise. Yeah. And some of you might think that this is episode 12, but it is not. It is episode 10 because as I and I'm hoping that if not all a bunch of our fans are actual comic book readers, um, you'll happen to notice that special editions and things like that go on their own runs. They have their own, you know, like total different system of numbers, you know, like your annuals, you know, your special editions, your zero numbers and stuff like that. Um, I've even seen some like fractional issues here and there. Damn. Uh, yeah. But so you guys might have seen our DC Fandom episode and our comic book Comic-Con, excuse me, at home Comic edition book. episodes. Yeah, Comic-Con. Thank you. Our Comic-Con at home edition episodes. If you haven't, you should just go back and check them out. They're awesome. Um, yeah, those would be our special editions one and two. But this is episode 10. And thank you for all of those who have stuck around from episode one. You guys are the true members of the Legion. Yes. And, and, and if this is your first time listening for whatever fortuitous reason that you come across us, feel free to go back, check out the other episodes, all other nine and those two special, very special edition episodes. Uh, check them out. I think it's, they'll be worth it. Especially the fandom episode. That's our shining moment right there. Definitely. My favorite so far. Yeah, I feel like we bled for that. That was like, that was the one time, like, I feel like we clocked in for this. <laughs> Because <laughs> we did hustle because we were watching it. We recorded that same day, right? So we watched it all day. We were we were discussing via chat as it was happening. And then we were we were we recorded at the end. We are dedicated to this. And we got the most exciting news of the entire year. Forget about the elections and all that stuff like that. No, no, no. <laughs> we got a release date for the Snyder Cut and the format. So I am stoked. So forget democracy. It's about Snyder. Oh, yeah, we, we all know Trump is going to win again. Hey, you know, hey, hey, no. Come on, let's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's hope not. No. Anyway, but yes. Uh, but yeah, um, it's been a wild ride, and I, could, I would not have picked another group of gentlemen to get this far with on something I never thought I'd honestly be doing. Who the fuck would, thought they'd think, who the fuck would think that they would start a podcast amidst a global pandemic? Even that sentence doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yet here we are. The Legion on Zoom did. Exactly. Now, after that brief, slightly <laughs> mushy moment, uh, there's some stuff going on, guys, from our people at Disney and at 
Marvel Studios, the long-awaited trailer for WandaVision. You guys can also check out the trailer on the Legion on Zoom page on Instagram. But yeah, it was pretty awesome. I enjoyed it a lot. It was really interesting. Yes, and I, I so I, I believe this is all the first time that I think the three of us have seen the trailer before recording, right? Yeah. Right. Ah, no, uh, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to discussing this with you guys. I loved it. I, I thought it was a very, very well done trailer. It got me excited because it, it doesn't, I don't like what it, it's like a comedy, but it's like creepy and dark too at the same time. Uh, what, what, what did you guys think? I mean, I got some hints of like, and this is going to be a bit niche, but I'm sure that Rod is going to see, um, He's gonna know what I mean. I I caught hints of um Vanilla Sky in the trailer. Oh yeah, for sure. Kind of like where it was like a glitchy reality where it's like she's self-inserted, but she she's hiding it from herself. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, the, and the way Marvel properties usually emulate like a, a type of movie or a show, I want this one to be like a trippy Black Mirror kind of you know mind trip type of show, right? Because it's all, it's all about her her journey into insanity, right? From the loss of her brother, her lover. She's all over the place. Damn, that's true. I totally forgot that Quicksilver is dead. And and we really haven't seen her, like, suffer through it or anything. Damn, that party is right. loud. <laughs> Just heard the music. Yeah, and we got a glimpse of her power levels in, in, wait, in Endgame. Endgame at the very end. Right. When she, you know, she goes at it with Thanos. And I think for me, a big thing that I got from the trailer was that exactly like that her descent into madness that is very reminiscent of like of the Avengers Disassembled and House of M uh, storyline in the books, right? Where where that the Avengers Disassembled storyline what ends up happening, right? Is that what was it that her kids? Oh, it's super messed up, right? That she had two kids with the Vision, but ended up not being real. That these were supposed to be kids that she created out of her own like need to have kids right and then when they realized that they weren't real or something or they died or, or something like that right and then she fucking lost it right and then she went insane at that point yeah which speaks to her power levels too whoa well we're at it for the fans um because that was kind of crazy we should go ahead and clarify wanda maximoff's power set so it's a little bit trippy. It's one of those weird, like, okay, so it's magic, but she can alter probability. But at the same time, I don't know, like, it's it's a mixed bag. But apparently it can alter reality if it's like, yeah, it's wild. Right, right. Like, because I think it's like chaos magic that she has access to. I think that's the specific kind of brand of magic that she has. And though, for those of you who are listening who don't know the story, we would highly recommend read Avengers Disassembled and House of M, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Um, amazing story. And what ends up happening there when she's lose what, what she when she starts to lose it, what ends up happening? She basically kills a bunch of Avengers, most notably Hawkeye, and 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 by but they don't know it's Scarlet Witch. It's like they just think it's, they're getting attacked by like the Kree and by like uh, like Wonder Man's brother. Remember what was his the guy's name? The the guy with the with the with the like scythe for a hand. Like it looks like a pirate. 
You guys remember him? Damn, I don't remember. Oh, oh, that sounds that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, and but none of that was happening for real, and they eventually realized that it was fucking Wanda just losing it and doing all of that. <laughs> and when they come to confront her, Magneto was it right or was it, no? I think it was a Quicksilver that actually ended up convincing her to fucking change reality. That's how mad fucking powerful she was, and she created this world where mutants were on top and humans were like the dying um, uh, a species. Wait, yeah, but, uh, that's a good point too, right? She, is she a mutant in that, in the in the comic book universe, right? Oh, I'm glad you bring that up because actually that got retconned. So, right, exactly. Yeah. So apparently, neither Scarlet Witch or Quicksilver are mutants. They're not Magneto's uh, children. This all happened, I believe, because of the movies, right? Because in the movies, they're not mutants, mm -hmm. and they you couldn't have Magneto because they didn't own the rights at that time. And so they ended up basically doing the same thing in the comic books. Um, uh, and I think what ended up happening, they had this whole elaborate thing where it was the high evolutionary gave them the powers, uh, which we've mentioned him before, the counter-Earth guy for the Spider-Man Unlimited <laughs> show that Ches loved. <laughs> and, and, and like I think he's the one responsible for giving them powers. And so they're not mutants, which is a shame. Because come on, I, I love them. I love that yeah. family, that Magneto family. Yeah, I, but it's it's also cool because now we don't know what's gonna happen, right? Because as comic book readers, we can kind of foretell what's gonna go on in the movies. But this time, they're switching it up because she's not a mutant, right? Right. Well, me honestly, I always enjoyed it being canon that both Wanda and Pietro Maximoff, which are their actual names for the fans out there, when they were the kids of um. Eric Lenscher, which is also Magneto. Um, I don't know. Like, I like the fact that they had kind of like a royal family in um, the island of Genosha. Like, I enjoyed that whole concept. Like, it kind of made mutants more than they're portrayed to be in the comics, which is like going to oppress people, you know? Like, like, that they had their own place on Earth. You know what I mean? And then they retconned that shit and they basically made them, what was it, like inhumans basically, right? No, not in humans. They're just meta people, like superpowers. Oh my god! Yeah. I'm glad they're not in humans. I don't. I don't want them. Don't. Don't do that. Like, okay. Okay. Also, thank you for actually being a um a tad prejudiced just now because <laughs> <laughs> um we should clarify for the fans that within the Marvel universe there's mutants. That's if you're born with the X gene. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. If you get your powers through external means, such as Captain America, Spider-Man, or the Hulk, you're a metahuman. And if you're exposed to something called the, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Terrigen Mist, Terrigen Mist, uh, how is Yeah, Terrigen. Yeah, Terrigen Mist, you become an inhuman. So there's three different ways you can essentially have powers within the Marvel Universe. And then there's that all that other crazy cosmic shit that we don't want to get into because that's just in a whole other big spec. Just so you guys know. Right. And technically with the Inhumans, it's not just being exposed to the Terrigen Mist. It's like if you're an Inhuman, you react to the Terrigen Mist. Yeah. Yeah, and Inhumans Ooh. are... What was it? This offshoot of the Kree, right? The Kree messed with human DNA back yep. in like um, prehistoric times and created this separate branch of humanity which, you know, when they're exposed to terrigens, they develop powers. And then they move to, like, the dark side of the moon or some crazy shit like that. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that show sucked. 
Yeah, and back when uh, Jeff Loeb was still in charge, you know, of the shows that Marvel Studios was uh, creating, they attempted it in humans, right? And it bombed. I, I haven't seen it. You know, it had a pretty decent cast. It had that crazy dude uh, from Game of Thrones in it as Max. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, that's perfect casting, right? Uh, but apparently it sucked. And I just learned that Jeff Loeb is no longer running the TV shows out of Marvel Studios. Probably because of Inhumans. <laughs> and not only that, and not, and not, not to dive, <laughs> not to divert. I'm not. I'm not trying to do this, guys. I'm no, don't do it. But I heard wait, wait, wait. this is news to me. Wait, and, and there's some continuity here between now and the previous episodes because I've been asking this entire time, shenanigans, everything. I've been oh asking, where is Jeff Johns? Like, I know he's writing comic books and stuff like that, but apparently he's no longer like a chief director at DC Comics. He's not like at the at the upper upper echelon, and you know whether or not it was tied to those uh, Ray Fisher shenanigans. That's another story, but that's I'm but sure yeah, the, the question was answered for me because I'm like, wait, like Jeff Johns, like he's like the face for me. Him and Jim Lee are like the head honchos at DC Comics and DC Entertainment. But yeah, so yeah, he is in a bunker. Just want to confirm that with fans. Ray Fisher put him in a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> If you yeah. want to hear more about that, I refer Sweet. fans to our Dawn of Social Justice episode. So, oh yeah, so yeah, so they can reattempt in humans now at Marvel Studios, and with that Miss Marvel show coming out on Disney Plus soon, they might make uh, Kamala Khan uh, an Inhuman, and then reintroduce that whole concept there. Yeah, that'd be epic. Yeah, because they introduced in humans, they introduced in humans in um in in Agents of Shield, and they did it well there. I liked it because like Quake, uh, which is uh, Daisy, right? Like uh, Chloe Bennett, like she's an Inhuman in 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 the show, and and they addressed that well there. But that's why it was such a such a come on, see, say a, a letdown that the Inhuman show. I think I saw like two episodes, and that was. It. I could not put put myself through it. Yeah, but now I question everything that Jeff Loeb was in charge of at the TV um, wing of Marvel Studios. Like, is that stuff canon? Is any of it canon? We all already know that the Netflix shows are not. And whether or not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, I doubt that too, honestly. Wait, 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 wait. We know that the Netflix shows are not canon? Yeah. How do we know that? We don't know that. All right, well, don't be surprised when all the TV shows um and apparently this this is tied to why uh hulu didn't go forward with the with the ghostwriter thing that was a jeff Loeb project um but now you know now like kevin feige he's like no let me like handle ghostwriter so and and these are disney plus shows are under kevin feige as well so now these shows are going to be pure canon if you're a hardcore marvel uh studios fan you question the whether or not those shows were part of it or not but now these shows at disney plus are for sure tied to the mcu as we'll see with wandavision and its ties to multiverse of madness which is i'm really looking forward to that one with sam raimi directing well i mean yeah it's all going to be connected because now disney owns everything they own hulu they own disney plus so they're going to put all the shows under their own giant umbrella like now yeah of course it's all going to be connected like it wouldn't make sense if it didn't i'm remaining hopeful that hopefully because I love that Daredevil, man. I love, like, I'd be willing to sacrifice Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Keep same Daredevil, that 
I want the next season. I want to know what happens with Bullseye, and I want them to fight. I and agree. I, please, Kevin Feige, please fucking just keep them, keep going with that. And there's an argument for Quake too, right? From Agents of Shield. I've heard a lot of fans like on the interwebs, like you know, make her canon because she was fucking dope. Hell yes, I agree. And she was like, she was uh, Phil Coulson's like right hand man, you know, woman. So hell yeah, that'd be good to keep her. And I'm glad that you guys mentioned Quake and Kamala because you guys just reminded me that it was only a matter of time before this character came up. And talk about strong women and making it quite literal. We have a She-Hulk, guys. Nice. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Speaking of all these Disney Plus shows, right? We were talking about the potential Ms. Marvel show that's going to come out. We stalked the WandaVision trailer. And now She-Hulk, that's the other show. And finally, they gave us a, 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 the casting news. And what do, you, what, do you, what do you guys think of Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk? I like the casting. I can definitely see it. The only thing is I hope, I hope that it's not like, I hope that technology hasn't gone so far that she doesn't have to lift any weights. Agreed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want her, like, like I think every person who plays Hulk, just because the first live one was Lou Ferrigno, should train a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, beef up just to be the Hulk, even though <laughs> you're going to be CGI. Come on now. Because she's a very petite female. Yeah, I mean, word. Like, th- like, there has to be some residual Hulk, even when you go back to human form, right? Facts, all those like, games can't just disappear. Yeah, like, that's wild. And then technically, I think it depends, like, if they go with the classic She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters She-Hulk, I think for the most part, she, doesn't she almost always stay in her Hulk form, which isn't, it's not as fucking monstrous as, as Bruce Banner's Hulk, no, which is just, she basically looks, I think, like, like, like a woman in the, you know, yeah. in, in the wrestling, you know, like just fucking tall and bulky and ready to kick your ass, you know, like, I would love exactly like, come on, just work out, get yourself to that level, you know, and, and hopefully there's like no need for CGI other than making sure that that green better be a crisp green. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they do some crazy shit and use a body double. Like they make they make her when she she hope be like, uh, what's her name um, from The Mandalorian? Um, Gina Carano. You know, like. No. You know, like when she transforms into She Hulk, she'll be Gina Carano. And then Gina Carano, she was in uh, Deadpool, the first one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. Angel Dust, yeah. Or whatever her name is, yeah. That shit could be She Hulk. That'd Hell be epic. Yeah. And but then yeah, we she... know they gotta, they gotta go CG. Oh, of course. Like, of course they, yeah. I don't think they should have a buff chick. <laughs> 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 like, I don't, I don't know. I think, especially with how good uh, Mark Ruffalo looked in Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, yeah best so far of all the hulk appearances we've had like he looked so natural he looked like he was there sitting with them at that diner true true yeah, but, true well done yeah but on top of that though which to this day like come on it speaks volumes about lou ferrigno because if you put that shit side by side you're like to this day is that that's a real person with paint like that's not a suit that's just paint on a body <laughs> I, and I remember actually, I think after Infinity War came out or after Endgame, Lou Ferrigno complained about the Hulk that he didn't like how the Hulk was all CGI, and, you know, and he was like, and then also then that they made him smart, you know, and, and able to talk and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> Lou Ferrigno's just like, I've got buff and shit and got painted. Like, come on, man. Yeah, word. Like, earn it a little bit. Damn. <laughs> One thing Wait. I do want to say about, about Tatiana Maslany for, for, 
for She-Hulk, which I like. Yeah, I, I do think I'm like, I do want to see her buff and I want to see the CGI be good CGI. But I, I, I do believe in her acting skills because I've seen her actually before. She was in the show uh, Orphan Black, which I think was from BBC or like a Canada or BBC Canada. Or I don't know what it was, but it was a Canadian show, if I remember. Which, and I don't know, have you guys, did you guys ever watch that, Orphan Black? Nope. No, the, um, I heard of it and the only time I ever saw her acting was, I believe, in Parks and Rec. She was a love interest for a season's arc. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. If no, I'm not mistooken. What I liked that about Orphan Black, so in Orphan Black, the, 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 it's a sci-fi show. It's about cloning, and but basically that they clone humans, and they, she, they basically cloned her. And what's cool, so then she plays like five, I think, different versions of herself, and oh, they're wow. all very fucking different, and they're very well done. And so that's why I'm like, yes, like I, I, I can believe that she'll, she'll portray Jennifer Walters, the calm lawyer, and then She-Hulk fucking massive destroyer and strong. You know, that's cool. Yeah, but like you said, she'd probably be super casual as She-Hulk, I'd imagine, right? Probably, right? <laughs> like a lawyer, and she... And hey, you know what? Like, talk about a platform to bring in uh, Charlie Cox, right? Yeah. Dude, you took oh. the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say that. Since they're both lawyers, that has to be like a cameo for Charlie Cox. I think I might faint. <laughs> Kevin Feige, come on, pay attention, man. And also... That brings to mind the fact that the shows have to be integrated because just so all the fans know, the origin of She-Hulk is Jennifer Walters is a cousin of Bruce Banner who gets in a car accident and is in need of a blood transfusion. And the only donor that matches hers is, of course, Bruce Banner. Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And his blood is irradiated AF, of course, with mad gamma radiation. So she ends up becoming She-Hulk. There you go. So that means that we might get a Mark Ruffalo cameo and a Charlie oh, yeah. Cox cameo. <laughs> yes. Just cameos. They just make a show and just call it cameos. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't wait for that. But so then, but wait, we're going to see this in 2025, I bet, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> delays, delays, delays. Yeah. yeah. That- I got to say with those, right, with the delays, right, with us, the other fucking shit, we found out this week, right, that there's no, there's not going to be any Marvel movie out this year. We were waiting for Black Widow. I was hoping at least Black Widow we were going to get. And nope, all these major films that got pushed fucking a ton. I think what happened was that Disney saw how bad Mulan did and they were like, nah, fuck that. We're not losing bread on these Marvel movies. We're breaking even or we're making money. We'd rather stash it and wait. Let the thirst build up and get people jammed into movie theaters with COVID still out there or not. Because I have a strong feeling that like if if at Disney and Marvel they withhold enough content and people like they continue to salivate, they'll be like, fuck it, I'm going to the movies. Or I gotta cure COVID. Right, exactly. Like, we should be trying to cure this shit to watch Black Widow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's inspiring scientists and Fauci out there to be like, "Fuck, they delayed the Black Widow movie." All right, everybody, government, NIH, CDC, let's do this. Let's cure. Yeah, it pushed back a lot of interesting movies. They got Shang Chi, uh, Eternals, and Spider Man Three. I think were the ones that were announced. I'm like, those are all. They all seem like cool movies because I have no idea what the fuck is going on with Shang Chi or <laughs> word. <laughs> like, I want to be surprised, you know? Yeah. And if you think about it, 
this actually might help cure COVID because, all right, so all these vaccines are being worked on by scientists, right? And scientists aren't exactly like, you know, like the most athletic, you know, like jocks on the planet and shit. They're usually, you know, like comic Excuse book me? fans and shit. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> They're usually like comic book fans and whatnot, what have you. You know where I'm going with that. So maybe in Disney delaying these movies, some scientists who were big comic book fans now were like, no fucking way. <laughs> Agreed. Imagine instead of trying to cure COVID, they master time travel and be selfish. And they just go to the future, watch it, and come back and shit. Like, fuck that. Nope. But what if they... Star Wars, too, right? A lot of geeks are into that. Geeks and nerds. But then what if in their time travel, they encounter a Kang? Oh! Which, that's awesome. That's a good segue, (laughs) right? Because that's huge news, right? I can't believe we haven't uh, talked about this, right, too. So apparently, right, they have casted Kang the Conqueror for the Ant-Man film. Like, what? Yeah, and and played by, I don't remember his name. I'll look it up now or anybody can look it up. But he's the main lead in in, uh, uh, Lovecraft County. Uh, in HBO Max, which I highly recommend. It's a really good horror sci-fi type show. I might start that today, actually, after we record this. That's uh, Lovecraft Country. That's Country. Uh, Jonathan Majors. Yes. Yes. Not to be confused with Lovecraft County somewhere out there in America, <laughs> which yeah. I'm sure is full of lovely people. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? There's like plenty of stuff yeah, for that. Like it's... about, yeah. Yeah, because we're wondering who's going to be the next big bad. And, and maybe Kang won't be like the huge, like a phase long villain, but just having him, somebody that, of, and to introduce time travel, like it's just Ant Man being super, that show being super relevant with a cameo like that. I bet Rod, care, explain to the fans who is Kang and why is this such a big deal? Well, Kang, or I may not be the most versed in this character, but I did read a bit of him in Jonathan Hickman's uh, X-Men books, right? Uh, no, in Fantastic Four, too, no? Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah he's a time-traveling despot, right? Yeah, and not to be confused with Liu Kang from Mortal Kombat. Critical distinction. Critical distinction. Yeah, and at some point, I think, well, he's a time traveler, so he manages to, you know, like every supervillain, he wants to control all of reality. And I, I believe there's a future timeline where he is like the all-powerful master and shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, he's like a time traveling despot, so he's not like your Vandal Savage from DC who's immortal, or like, you know, your uh, Victor Von Doom who's in the present trying to run everything. He tries to conquer shit through time, like... Talk about next level megalomania. And it gets super fucking trippy, his story too, because actually people don't know who he really is. And so, and then there's been like different villains across uh, the, like that apparently it's, it's him, it's Kang. Like one, there's one who was like, I think like King Tut or something like that. Who's Kang, who Kang went to the past in ancient, ancient Egypt and conquered them. And, and like, that's him in that, you know, a version of him. Another version of him was from the young Avengers, there was a character called Iron Lad, um, which which was like a like a like an Iron Man from the future, like a teen. But that's apparently Kang. He becomes Kang at the time. He's a hero, and who knows what happened for him to become a villain? 
And then another random uh, theory out there that's been, I think Jonathan Hickman brought this up maybe, was that they think that Kang might be um, uh, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic's father, actually. And and it's fucking like confusing. It's like a trip. And it's he's a very big uh, uh, character. Oh, wow. So I guess in a way, I'm glad I mentioned Vandal Savage. So I guess he's kind of like the Vandal Savage of Marvel in a way, because no one knows who Vandal Savage was or is. He's immortal, but he doesn't travel through time. So he's kind of like a stationary version of Kang. Time <laughs> travels through him while Kang travels through time. Oh, Bars. The only thing I didn't like about this announcement, though, was that they're introducing Kang in the Ant-Man movie. That I that just makes me worried that they're gonna make him like a comedy type of like villain, and then at the end, like he just like wah wah, he's defeated and it's over. Like you know, like I don't know, like I or, I want him introducing something serious. <laughs> or it could just be that Batman has. I think it was in the last episode that we were talking about. Yeah, um, where I mentioned that. What's gonna be the like the movie that has that moment? You know what I mean? They just said he's gonna be introduced. They never said that he's going to be like the main villain, I guess. You know what I mean? So it could just be that it features that moment that it's like it's significant of Kang. It could be some shit like in the after credit scene, a portal opens up and boom, it shows Kang. No, technically, it's not official that it's Kang. Those are rumors still that okay. it's Kang. And actually, I, I just saw actually before the show, before we started recording, Jimmy Fallon interviewed Jonathan Major, Majors and asked him, like, are you Kang? And like, and he classic like marvel shit he's like i heard that too he's like <laughs> you know we have the same sources you know and that's it and he didn't say yes or no but what has been confirmed is that jonathan majors was cast as the main antagonist for the film oh so okay. we know that he's gonna be like the main bad guy probably or who knows like it might just not be a funny movie this time around maybe Ant-Man is about to get into some really dark shit <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, like all of Marvel movies have some humor, right? But oh, yeah, still, yeah, 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 true. It's still serious enough that we're, we're invested in, in the story. And speaking, about, yeah, and speaking about rumors, uh, fans out there, I hate to do this to you. Roger, <laughs> Rod, just go ahead. Just do it. All right. So they're shooting new <laughs> photography. He was ready. <laughs> and apparently a lot of this new footage is for the Green Lantern. Ooh, okay. And, and, wait, what? Rupert, Excuse wait, me. Wait, 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 what? Come okay, on. yes, what? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now you guys are all ears. I don't want to hear me talk about the Snyder Cut, which is actually Zack Snyder's Justice League now. Okay. But, I, but there's some legal shit where they're trying to call it Justice League Director's Cut. But no, 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 no. Fans, we know what this movie's called. And um, so they're shooting new uh, principal photography to which Henry Cavill has said that he's not going to do any of it. Whatever. He's saying that now. Who knows what's going to happen? But it's because he's doing The Witcher Season 2. So I'm down for that. Yeah. They should just pay him all the money. Whatever he wants. Fly him a private jet. You know, have somebody massage his feet the whole ride. We need Henry Cavill. I mean, assuming that Zach needs him for more footage. So the rumors are that this footage is about the Green Lantern and that, you know, at Rumorville that our guy, Deadpool, 
Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds might come back and reprise the role. It's just all rumors, but but it has been somewhat confirmed that it's just it's a Green Lantern footage. Shut up! This is some 3 a.m. internet fucking searches. 3 right a.m. internet shit. <laughs> That's right. I got more, but I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm leaving it. No, at that. give us so, more. So there was an actor casted originally in, you know, the original Justice League, but um, I don't know. Maybe due to some fan hype and then Ryan Reynolds' interest, imagine him coming into the show. Yeah. Like it's already a, a high-profile movie or or series rather. Have Ryan Reynolds in it? Oh my god! And then have him do what he just did with Daredevil as well is redeem the character. Which he kind of did in Deadpool 2 when he went back and he used Cable's time travel shit to kill himself before he took the role of Green Lantern. All right. How, <laughs> how about, you know, he comes back, he survives, but he nails this, this fucking, this version of the character. And I didn't think Green Lantern was that bad for the record. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't good enough to start a universe around it. So I'll leave it at that, gentlemen. Yeah. I agree. I agree. The, the the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie, I think gets a lot of shit. But to be honest, yeah, you're right. Especially now. I think especially we've gotten way more shittier movies than Green Lantern. It was it just wasn't a, a great one. You know, it, it had its moments, you know. Uh, but damn, I, I, I'd be down to see him uh, reprise. I, I, I just really wish they used better CGI for his suit. Because that's one of the main things I didn't like that in the original movie. It just looked like shit. Yeah, but I mean, if you rewatch that movie again, dude, it's kind of like the suit was like the least of their worries because the rest of the CGI in that movie was fucking bananas. It's kind of like they just wasted like the last bit of money they had on the suit, but they went all in like on the set. Come on, man. The dude that played Sinestro, that was fucking perfect. Kilowog. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sinestro was perfect, man. Kilowog was fucking perfect. You know, like the way they did Owa, oh my God. Like, wow. Yeah, shout out to Mark Strong, played Sinestro, and then uh, Dr. Sivana and Shazam. Right, I was going to say that because then you can't, he can't, I guess, come back as Sinestro. Yeah. Because he's already, like, depending, unless they multiverse it. They could do it. They could. They could do it. Because Dude. remember, uh, the Snyderverse has branched away from the just the Joss Whedon Justice League verse, which birthed uh, the Wonder Woman movie, Shazam, Aquaman, yada yada. Or would it be best for the Joss Whedon Justice League to have like divert, and that's a separate fucking piece of shit, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and hopefully the, the Wonder Mo- Woman films and, and Shazam are maybe more related to the Zack Snyder's cut, you know? Hopefully. It would be like the shitty verse. (laughs) (laughs) And I think in keeping with the DC news, all right, because we've been been pretty Marvel-centric right now, but we have to shout out to DC, right? Another big fucking announcement that came out, right? And we were talking about the DC fandom, right? Like, you know, check our episode. We loved it. One of the main things I think we all agreed that we loved was the Suicide Squad uh, 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 portion of the DC fandom, right? We loved it. We loved seeing John Cena portraying the role of Peacemaker. And we just found out that they're doing a series based on Peacemaker, John Cena's Peacemaker for HBO Max. Guys, thoughts? All I can say is, holy crap, that escalated. And also, I'm sorry to say it, as happy as I am, this shit reeks of getting canceled after one season. 
Like, we haven't even... <laughs> like, Damn. no way. You, I, think, I think HBO Max is on, is sitting on gold. Mm-hmm. Like, with the fact that they have a uh, Gotham series, you know, based off of the Batman. They have an OA series coming out. I, I think they're very, being very smart about their shows. And actually, and with that, if, if you all know, uh, well, right, this is another big news that we didn't talk about. So it's official. The DC Universe app is dead. It's done. They're special, which, you know, I don't remember which episode was this that we talked about it. We it called was, it. We, there's one episode where we went through the DC Universe app and we talked about how it has shows and its own programming. That's that's done. That's done. It's going to become DC Infinite. It's only comic books. But it's important to mention, but some of the best things about that DC Universe app, like Titans, like Harley Quinn, and and Doom Patrol have been renewed and exclusively to be an HBO Max. So I agree with Rod, man. HBO Max is fucking sitting on a gold mine. Shit, now it is. That's crazy, man. That's that's, uh, episode six. LOZ, was it LOZ uh, Earth Prime, where we review ah. the Universe app, the now defunct DC Universe app, which will become DC Infinite, I think, and then just feature comic books and maybe some other cool content. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm still be on board. Hopefully they drop the price. I mean, they damn well should. It makes perfect sense that they should drop the price, considering that like half the content is going out the window. And, yes, and upgrade the app, too. We discussed a lot. The app is hella fucking glitchy. So it's it. like, yeah, no, it's the most uncomfortable one to read. And if, you, if, you, if you're going to take off, like, all that energy you guys had to, like, you know, you, DC, I'm talking to you, you know, the, <laughs> into, into building the, the interface for the TV and the films, fuck that. Put all of that into the comic books. Make the fucking comic book reading easy, okay? Yeah, get one of your own, like, dungeon dwelling goblins like marvel has god <laughs> and so actually so i wanted to think so I, was, I wanted to ask you guys about the peacemaker show because then because i remember when we talked about it in the dc fandom when we talked about the trailer that they showed us and all the stuff that they were showing us about the the, the movie we said i think rod was the one that said it that so many people are gonna die right they were imagining and i actually thought that john cena's peacemaker was gonna die but then when when <laughs> why? we <laughs> why would you think john cena is gonna die <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I thought the character was going to die just because of the helmet. Why? Because it's fucking awesome? <laughs> no, because it's fucking stupid. That's why. I, I thought because John Cena is too epic and he's not going to be doing all these films. So yeah, he's going to be there and, and end it. But so when I saw that the show got announced, I thought like, oh, well, then that's it, right? Like, so he's not going to die. But apparently the show is supposed to be about his origin. So there's a good chance he might still die in the, in the movie. Oh, so yeah. You get a younger one, right? <laughs> so do the show. <laughs> I'm hoping that he survives. And then we get the John Cena and The Rock showdown that we all want in the DC Universe. <laughs> and just to reiterate, I think I had mentioned it when we discussed um, The Suicide Squad that isn't it isn't Peacemaker like even more American than all the other characters that we picked in our most American episode. Isn't his whole motif that like it's America over everything, no matter what. Well, I still have Homelander and um, they just announced that they're going to release a show based off of the seven, right? Yeah. A spin. No, not a spin-off a- show. I don't know about the seven, but it's supposed to be about like teenage superheroes or something. So I guess like the seven teen, the teen seven, that would be cool. That's a fucking cool ass concept. That'd be wild. So it'd be kind of like a Teen Titans, but in that universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> super depraved. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ, doing all sorts of drugs and shit. <laughs> the ending to the last episode was wild. Episode five. I haven't like, seen that yet. All I right. Seen that. I uh, no, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna spoil anything. I'm just gonna say it was wild. But oh <laughs> no, I saw that. That wait, no. Episode five came out last week, right? Yes. Oh, I saw that. Yes. Oh, you mean the one with Black Noir? Yes, yep. that's the last episode, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, but that's what I'm gonna say about it. No spoiler alert needed. <laughs> but I will say I agree with Rod, especially after watching the first five episodes of The Boys. Nah, man, Homelander is definitely the most American fucking character out there, dude. Oh my Shit. god, when he's trying to win over the crowd, you don't speak. Oh no, you know what? Hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> you see, you see what I'm saying? I I tried. I literally just said, no spoiler alert needed. All right. But yeah, we, we I out. think it still stands. I think he's Donald Trump with a cape and superpowers. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's, if you want to describe Homelander, that's what you get. Shit, that's that's insane. It's fantastic. Yes. Every, every country gets the government it deserves. Moving forward. <laughs> so right. speaking of governments, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make this a segue. <laughs> <laughs> in some complicated way. So speaking, because another thing we wanted to talk about in terms of the news and something we wanted to highlight a little bit more, X-Men. All right. So the, there's a new book that just came out, the first big event for the X-Men since a big reboot that they just went through. Not reboot technically, but, you know, sort of. Um, where uh, <laughs> my comment about it being a government is like, for those of you who might not know, like Chess was mentioning at the beginning how like they're usually the suppressed, you know, the, the 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 underdogs, the minorities, the people who are you know discriminated against. Ooh, right that's now, clever. in the X Men books, right now they have a government. They have their own fucking country, the X Men, who are dominating, who are dominating the world. And this is all after the House of X, Powers of Ten run by Jonathan Hickman from last summer, who masterfully. Um, just fucking redid the whole status quo for the X-Men books in an incredible way, in an incredible way. And so we're very excited about this new fucking event that's happening that started on Wednesday. But we wanted to spend some time to talk about this epic run, update you guys on what's going on with the X-Men, and just, just have a little bit of X-Men love. And can I, I make a quick note? So when I mentioned Kang earlier, I didn't mean uh, Jonathan Hickman. It's so Rick Remender's X-Force run where you get some uh, Kang the Conqueror. That's what I, that's what I meant to say. Word. So, and but since we're speaking about Jonathan Hickman now, so yeah, he's he has the like the Midas touch, like he is one of the most clever, the most intelligent writer in all of comics. Um, it, it started for me with, well, he's had independent uh, books at Image, which I'm a fan of. I read a few of those, but then he came into Marvel with Fantastic Four, and me being a diehard Fantastic Four fan. Um, he, he did something with that run that I hadn't seen since Mark Wade back in the early 2000s. It was a, an amazing run. He went on to the Avengers to do the same, right? A lot of Thanos-centric uh, storyline, and now he's on X-Men. And the story is just as exciting as, as you'd think, right? Because the, the X-Men have accomplished what they've been trying to accomplish. They're a sovereign nation. And, and it's written very clever writing. How uh, And for those that you know want to read it yourself, uh, we may throw a spoiler alert here. Spoiler alert! How the uh, X-Men uh, bargain with the United Nations to be recognized as their own sovereign state by providing three miraculous drugs, right? One that extends so cool. human life. 
What what are the others? Remind me. It's like human extending human life for a few, I don't know how many years. They cured basically psychiatric illnesses. So I think for diseases of the mind, they got medicines for that. And I think I don't was it like cancer or or like or something else? Like something not cancer though, but it was some other into it. All right. Yeah, continue. Yes, exactly. All right, Chess. I have a quick question. So um I'll let the fans know real quick. So I, like the rest of the guys, as you guys know, I love comic books and I could just name X-Men off the top of my head until the sun comes up, but I've never really read and into anything um, X-Men related just because the universe, that shit could be like a comic company on its own and just drop issues for years on different shit. It's just so much. So through this episode, I'll be asking the guys some questions. So I'm on the side of the listener here because I'm going to be like, what? So the last I heard, the X-Men had the island of Genosha, which was a sovereign mutant already, like a nation, right? So what do you mean they have their own country now? Nah, but yeah, exactly. But this is different. This is a lot, well, much better done. So because technically, I think the way Genosha became a sovereign nation specifically, Genosha was always a sovereign nation and ended up becoming like a safe harbor for mutants for a while. But then it became, it's like a mutant nation when Magneto pulled his like evil fucking shit and then he was given the country like all right this is your th- this is your country but without any resources kind of like straight up magneto just trying to figure out on his own Damn. and then eventually that because of cassandra nova which is like this is from the grant morrison run uh and x-men which is another great but really weird x-men run um uh cassandra nova which is just to say who's fucking weird just to quickly say cassandra nova is apparently charles xavier's twin sister who died when she was in uh, like the fetus like with him but she like attached herself (laughs) like this is classic grant morrison crazy shit (laughs) like (laughs) like weird weird stuff and she's like got telepathic abilities whatever and she had basically destroyed genosha and like killed millions uh, or or at least hundreds of thousands of mutants uh, with a sentinel attack at genosha so that's that's like the first sovereign nation that they tried and, and failed. Failed badly. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, uh, I couldn't find it. We'll put an editor's note for I, that third, that third the medicine. Third. Yes. Editor's note. The third drug is a universal antibiotic, and the first drug extends human life by five years. And then a bunch of years, practically over a decade passed, and then they got another country. But this time it wasn't because of Magneto and his usual bullshit. This was because of Xavier and the X-Men this time around, is what you're saying. No. Well, not the Wait, X-Men. I wasn't agreeing to that. I was agreeing to just the Magneto part. Like, he, he's like the centerpiece. He's like the, the, like the Malcolm X of, of that movement. Like, he, his vision was achieved, right? Hell uh, yeah. Mutant kind superiority. Exactly, because this was actually the 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 X Men didn't really have that much to do with this actually with creating sort of, but the main thing were Xavier Magneto and Moira McTaggart. If you guys might remember Moira from the day she was even in the cartoons, she was in the X Men animated series. Moira, the uh, Scottish right, she's the the, the Scottish um, human scientist that was in love with Xavier. Yeah. Spo- I already gave a spoiler from the beginning. <laughs> This is going to be full of spoiler, right? So the big thing that they did in this storyline was that they told us in the in, in the House of X Powers of Ten story that Moira is actually a mutant. And her secret and her actual power is basically that whenever she dies, she, re- re- she basically resets time and like relives life again. 
And apparently, I think she ended up living her life, what was it, nine times or something? And there's like a limit too. Apparently, so apparently it's like if she, I think she, if she dies one more time, then she's completely dead. And with her knowledge of having lived so many different lives, encountered Xavier and Magneto, and she even and one lifetime sided with Apocalypse and all these things, eventually she figured out that Xavier and Magneto have to work as a team. And this is the approach they need to go to do this. And, and, and what they ended up doing is so the island that they're living on now uh, as a sovereign nation is Krakoa, which for those of you who may not know, Krakoa is a living island. It's a mutant island that basically if you guys, so, <laughs> so it's like deep cut for giant size X-Men one. This is the monumental Whoa. historical issue where we got introduced to Wolverine storm. What Wolverine got introduced before in the Hulk book, but I mean, as an X-Men Wolverine storm, Colossus, uh, Thunderbird, and Nightcrawler. Right? Nightcrawler, exactly. The story goes that the original X-Men, like Jean Grey, Cyclops, uh, uh, Iceman, Beast, and Angel were captured by this mutant island. Uh, uh, and then Cyclops escaped, uh, and then Xavier got this new X-Men team to go rescue them. And then Krakoa was like shot into space or something. I don't remember what happened. The point is, eventually Krakoa was like a good person all along, and they were able to make peace with Krakoa, and now they're living on this sentient island that produces all of these medicines that that rod said and basically produces anything they need like structures buildings food they they give them everything so that's why they have so much capital to, to dominate the world stage as an actual political force that's insane that's so that, yep. and then you could plant crocoan seeds all over the universe and it creates an instant portal that you can walk that mutants only mutants can walk through those so that's pretty I, that's crazy. So okay, so I feel like essentially so Scott lives on the moon. Just to note, like it's wow, so cool. Like I see it as like Krokoa's a fusion between the Inhumans and Wakanda, conceptually speaking. You know what I mean? Or, or that weird street from Doom Patrol. Yeah, the <laughs> Danny the street. Yeah. Danny the sentient street. Yeah, or maybe even um. This is from DC, but um, Mogo. Mogo. Yeah, exactly. The Living Planet. Who's oh, a, who's there's a Green Lantern. There. There's yeah. similarities there for sure. Yeah, that, that totally, totally, totally. Yeah, and 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 I, in Rod, exactly. You said that some of the one of the coolest thing that I fucking love about it is that the portals, right? Because they plant these seeds that become flowers that become gates, and that these are fucking gates that you can just walk through. And exactly like Rod said, you know, because Genosa, Geno, I mean Genosha, Krakoa. I think it's in the <laughs> Atlantic. I think it's somewhere in the Atlantic, and literally you can just walk through a fucking gate there and be on the moon in in fucking Cyclops home where he lives with Jean Grey and his kids and Cable and actually Wolverine lives with them too which that's is also weird. <laughs> weird. that's yeah, weird yeah man yeah some yeah. weird shit going on on the moon <laughs> and it's actually really cool because in one of those issues they show you the floor pan for, for their home and actually Cyclops, Jean Grey and Wolverine have their own rooms and Jean Grey has her, her rooms in the center and she has doors that connect to Wolverine and Cyclops' rooms. It's just like, whoa, what's going that's, on? That's not weird at all. They always all. throw weird sex shit. And, and, and uh, speaking of Maura McTaggart, uh, she was also in the films. So I just want to quickly, quickly uh, go over each of our favorite X-Men films. As you, you remember her from uh, the, the first class se- series. She, I think she was in all three of those. 
or four. Anyway, right. that uh, so gentlemen, best X Men movie, and rem- these can be Wolverine, these can be Deadpool, anything from that Fox X Men run. Now that it's over, we can commemorate them with this. Damn! Out of all of the movies, all possible movies, beginning with uh, X Men in two thousand and ending with the New Mutants, which nobody's seen. Maybe like <laughs> five people on Earth saw that shit. I mean, Watch. I still. Chess is gonna say New Mutants. <laughs> I'm all five viewings. Damn, I damn. saw it five times at the same time. <laughs> Let me see. Wow, damn. All right, so I'd have to say hmm. favorite X Men movie. I know. I have one. I, I'm ready to go. But go for it, Chess. We'll wait. Damn. Yeah, me too. My, I, I got the yo just 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 because just because it was done so well, just because it was done so well, and I'm such a big fan of the character on the low, which is a, kind of an ironic term. Um, X Men Origins Wolverine because of Sabretooth. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> wait, that Lee Schreiber. Yeah. Uh, Lee Schre- that, yeah. Lee Schreiber Sabretooth is uh, it's an unappreciated Shout out. diamond. Shout out. In the X Men runs, shout out to Leaf Schreiber. We're gonna tag you. Tag us back, Leaf Schreiber. <laughs> I did like the setup. They're talking about their childhood together. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, that movie was overall was pretty much trash, but it had its good <laughs> moments like that. Exactly. Listen, listen, yo, for me, listen. That sequence, <laughs> that sequence when they showed him and Logan fight through every single war together, that might be one of the hottest. Like, of all the sequences in all of Marvel, all of the movies, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And also, it gave, us, it gave us Ryan Reynolds, uh, just to, to tie it all up at the beginning. It gave ah. us Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, which we have thoroughly enjoyed since Origins. Even in Origins, he was the eye. No, he was terrible in Origins. What are you talking about? But, remember, but as when he was just like an agent, like a just Wade Wilson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Wade, yeah. Then it got weird at the end, but <laughs> yeah. fans know all about that. All right, I'm going to go with Days of Future Past. Oh. And it was the return of Brian Singer, uh, who might also be in a bunker. Um, <laughs> it, it, it tied in Matthew Vaughn's beautiful uh, first class movie. If it wouldn't be Apocalypse, it might be first class. Uh, and then, it, you know, I had Hugh Jackman at the helm of that film. And Hugh Jackman, all the pieces just worked in beautifully. You got the the original trilogy's X-Men, you know, we saw Storm, we saw Cyclops, we saw everybody, Beast was in there too. And then we got the first class, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, those wonderful people. And it, and it all tied into this really awesome, you know, time traveling epic. What do you guys got? Good, good. I, that's, a, that's, a, that, that's a really that fucking good choice. And it actually relates to mine because my actually my fucking favorite X-Men movie, which will be surprising is la, la, in last episode that we had, the X-Men, in, uh, the X-Men, the, the LOZ Infinity one. We talked that thing about the MCU. I said that I'm not a big fan of if they, di- uh, como si se, if they diverge too much from the source material, but I'm picking the movie that diverged the most. X-Men First Class. That's my favorite x-men film because although like the first class wasn't the actual first class right we didn't get cyclops we didn't get we didn't get gene gray we didn't get the, the classic the only one was beast right i think that was included in that first movie first class and that's mm-hmm. the and, and we had havoc like what like okay and we had like darwin and it was like weird 
Um, but and Mystique. I, yeah, and, and Mystique, and which I loved her there. And then she got annoying over time, I feel. But because also we got a very different version of Mystique, a good version of Mystique generally. But I, I loved that movie because I felt that movie really captured what the X-Men uh, uh, is about. Like, I feel it captured the spirit of the X-Men. They're, they're rallying against, you know, like hatred and prejudice. And like, and, and please, guys, it introduced us to fucking Michael Fassbender as Magneto. And Jesus Christ, that scene at the end, like when they're on the island, which I think it was Cuba, right? <laughs> they were in Cuba. And they're yeah. like, he's stopping the, 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 the bullets and the missiles and all that. Like that was some of, the, and his relationship with Charles Xavier as with James McAbee doing a fantastic job. I remember just loving, I remember I went to the movies and I had an X-Men first class shirt on that had the actual first class on it. I, I, I loved it. I feel that's my favorite one. I'm so glad that you mentioned the relationship between um, Fassbender and McAvoy because that scene where he makes him turn the satellite, where like he realizes how powerful he actually is, that he's crying while he's using his powers, that is in um, X-Men First Class, right? Just yeah, yep, 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 right, yep. Like, if you think about it, like the whole X-Men storyline between Magneto and Xavier can be predicated on that point. Like, like if it wasn't for Xavier, Fassbender might have never known how powerful he actually is. Of course, you know, I'm talking about Magneto, not Fastbender, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, he might have never really known how powerful he actually is, which is insane. And then speaking of that, I felt like that dynamic between him, like Magneto and Charles Xavier, about like, yo, how cool was that fucking scene where he puts his fucking helmet on, right, and, and fucking cancels Xavier out and fucking runs a fucking coin through Sebastian's shot, which was expertly played by kevin bacon even I was about that, to, say that. to kevin bacon Word. shout out like because even that sebastian shaw like I, I wasn't a big like it's a hellfire club kind of interesting character like he i brought him pretty fucking cool like oh that was so good i love the way that they demonstrated sebastian shaw's powers which is like what that he could gather kinetic force like by mm -hmm via impact so it's like he could get jumped and he'll gather all the kinetic force and like he's able to project it make himself invulnerable which is a pretty cool concept if you think about it so like i love the way they demonstrated that it, like like they didn't overstate it but they showed what it could be done with when somebody who's smart enough to use it correctly and it also like you said it gave us a peek inside the hellfire club which is this weird secret organization that always fights against the X-Men and they like to dress in colonial attire. I don't know what's <laughs> up with that. But. Right. And actually, and from that, actually just to connect it back to what we were saying earlier with the new, uh, the dawn of X, that's the, that's the, what's going on kind of right now. That's a new storyline, the status quo, right? And we were mentioning that there's a government, right? Basically that with Krakoa, with the mutants, right? And so there's what's something called the Quiet Council, which those are the basically the, 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 Kong, the government of of Krakoa, the mutant government, and Sebastian Shaw is on it. It's actually a group of of how many people is it? Three, three by twelve people. I think it's twelve people on it. And so it's like it's Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse, and then it's Nightcrawler, Jean Grey, and Storm. It's Emma Frost, the White Queen, Sebastian Shaw, which is the Black King, and and now after after a while at the beginning they don't say this but then it's 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 a uh, kitty pride well not kitty anymore catherine pride shadow cat on it and and then it's mr sinister uh 
what's that angel the 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 guy with the red skin that used to work with magneto a lot exodus exodus it's so mr sinister exodus and somebody else is with them i don't remember who else and that's that they're the government and of course the obvious question how the fuck are mr sinister and apocalypse is working together with all these people like what you care to elaborate i mean i think it's because like they figured it out like and I, I don't know. It's, it's a delicate balance. And for them not to yield control to Xavier and Magneto, I think they understand that it's to their detriment. Although Mr. Sinister obviously is plotting some shit. Exactly. Like, that's obviously. what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> he's always plotting some shit. <laughs> like, he's he's cloning someone for some reason somewhere. He named re- himself Mr. Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the name. Come on. <laughs> no, I, mean, but all, I mean, like, also at the same time, I guess the way it could kind of work is, like, they step to Apocalypse and, like, like listen, we know you want to, like, control humanity, but we're going to kill you if you do. So we're giving you the rights of first refusal. No. And so, actually, it's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned that because Apocalypse. So what ended up happening when they announced it, because they did it overnight one day where they announced to the world like this epic telepathic communication from Xavier to the whole world saying, saying, we exist. We're a sovereign nation. You're going to have to acknowledge us and we'll communicate. And then he said, we forgive all mutants. We all have to be a united front. We're going to forget if you've been fucking if you're evil, come to us and agree to our terms. But you can live prosperously in, in the community with us right and so apocalypse listens to that and approaches them and when he does that he does he does an epic like i don't remember the speech but he, he does a great apocalypse says his whole thing was survival of the fittest and saying mutants are better than humans and that we're, we're just the, the superior race and when he walks on krakoa he says you guys proved it like you guys have proven that we are the superior race we are the next evolution of humankind that's it. I'm done. Like you guys did a good job. I'm with you guys. And and, and apocalypse is good now. Like he's probably plotting something too. But... <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like <laughs> And also because of their three uh, Krakoan miracle drugs, right, they get recognized as a sovereign nation, which gives mutants all over the world diplomatic immunity in a way, which leads to a very cool scene, a standoff between Scott Summers and Reed Richards, right, because they capture, you know, Mystique is on her bullshit with with Sabretooth and, I don't know, Avalanche, whatever that team is, right? Right, right. Doofy-ass people. And and then (laughs) it it gets to the point where uh, the Fantastic Four capture Sabretooth, and then that's when uh, Scott Summers walks out of one of these portals, one of these Krakoan portals, and he's like, hey, technically that guy, you know, has his immunity because we are now a nation. Oh. And it's this thing. Eventually, Scott yields. He leaves Sabretooth in the hands of Reed Richards, if I'm not mistaken. And then, you know, being Scott Summers, as he's walking away, he goes, oh, by the way, Franklin, we have a spot for you because the children... I, I'm not sure if it's all the children, but I know Franklin Richards is yeah. a mutant, right? Yep. And he's potentially the most powerful of them all. He's like on that uh, Scarlet Witch power level. Yeah, essentially. And this is another side note for the fans. So as you guys know, the Fantastic Four exists. You know, that's the Human Torch, um, Mr. Fantastic, uh, Invisible Woman, and The Thing. Eventually, um, Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Girl, Invisible Woman, however you phrase it. They have a kid. His name is Franklin Richards. His power is that he's basically God. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's 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 like that's that's the power set. He's God with a capital G. Actually, to show how much of a god he is and connecting to Jonathan Hickman, you know, Jonathan Hickman, when he wrote the Avengers books, he it led to this big-ass event called Secret Wars where the multiverse dies and then the multiverse is recreated. And who recreates the multiverse? It's him. It's fucking Franklin Richards in combination with, with, Mr., uh, with Mol- Molecule Man, right? I think that's his name, mm-hmm. uh, Owen Reese. And that because he's got fucking godlike powers, he's like, all right, I'm gonna create a whole universe. <laughs> like, shit. Yeah. Yep, and that's also how they managed to bring uh, Miles Morales just to tie in last episode. Well, uh, two episodes ago with a Spider-Man episode. Uh, two. How they how they folded Miles Morales into the regular Marvel continuity during that whole you know universe-shattering event of Secret Wars, which is cool for the fans. Like, uh, Jonathan Hickman is probably the go-to writer at Marvel right now. And he also has a bunch of core independent stuff. Uh, I would recommend from Image Image Comics, uh, The Nightly News was good. Uh, Pax Romana was good. There's some really good titles for the fans that are interested out there. Yes, The Manhattan Projects was really good. The Manhattan Projects, yeah. So good. And I started reading not that long ago, but I'm not, I'm like, I'm I'm like two volumes in uh, the East of West. A book, which is actually, oh, actually, kind of connects to this, uh, what we're reading right now, because the East to West storyline and image, it's about the Four Horsemen, and it's about, and it's, it's a very fucking trippy book about the Four Horsemen, how they come back every, every, I don't know how many hundred years or something, and then they have these deals with the government, but like one of the Four Horsemen, I think it's, I don't remember who it is, I think War maybe, uh, separates from the other four. And this is very, very relevant because the current event right now in the X-Men books, the X of Swords event, is an apocalypse-heavy storyline which features the Four Horsemen, too. And so, well, his, you know, his actually, it's it's, it's about his original Four Horsemen, which apparently are his, his, his actual children from, like, millions of years ago. I don't know how much because he's, like, he was the first mutant. Okay, yeah, and then that's a pretty big thing that you just said. So again, educate the fans. Apocalypse is the first mutant. If you guys want to see him in live action and all his splendor and glory, which I think they did a great job, and so did Oscar Isaac in being him. What movie was that? X Men? What? Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I was on the fence on that on that movie. I wanted to like it very badly because it was from Brian Singer, but uh, you know, shit in this woke era and the social movement and all that bullshit that's happening. Like news came out that he was barely on set for that film, and yeah. he's I don't know being a scumbag or something. I don't know what the hell. I don't yeah, want to. Make it yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the movie. It, I mean, the movie was itself wasn't all that, but you can't front that they did a good job with the pop. Yeah, he was there enough where it wasn't terrible. I feel like he was there just enough. But yeah, so um, Apocalypse is essentially the first mutant. His power set is, woof, I'd be here for like half an hour just listing shit. And he's more of a, at this point, he's not even a being. He's just more of a conscience that gets transfers from vessel to vessel. Which if you think about it, that's more of his power, is it not? Like, yes. And actually, perfect. So that segues to the one last thing I wanted to talk about. I wanted to really get your guys' thoughts on, right? Because exactly, Apocalypse, exactly. He's immortal and he's able to, whenever he dies, he's just reborn again, you know, either through some machine shit, but it's actually part of his mutant ability that he's immortal. 
but he, he so he will never die because he's part of this group called the externals which is that's a deep ass fucking cut that i just actually it, it which is integral for the exo sword story which i just found out it's x the externals are these group of immortal mutants that just they never die uh but the thing about that now the biggest fucking change so they're a government right like they got fucking all these special drugs they they're connecting with with all these different countries the biggest fucking change that happened with the x-men right now is that they're all immortal now what the fuck me they can die but they all come back and that's when marvel jumped the shark no no dude what I love about that, what I love about Jonathan Hickman's run right now in the X-Men books is that he's bringing to light in a very nice story way uh, all the fun stuff about the X-Men and all the weird shit. Because come on, who out of the fucking Marvel comic books, who has died the most and come back the most? It's the X-Men. I think X-Men are the ones that have gone through that the most, True. you know, but now he's actually like ratified it and made it a part of their identity uh, with their with, there's a specific way that they do it, but it's like it's fucking crazy. Enlighten us. He's brilliant. Jonathan Hickman's brilliant. So, so they have this collective of five mutants that can uh, like do this. I don't know, hocus pocus, and resurrect <laughs> a dead mutant by transferring their consciousness into this innate matter. That all these, I, I don't remember exactly which mutants are involved, oh, but there's I like a, a, a series of mutants. You, you know it? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot. No, exactly. Because a, a key thing, so the, be, but before that happens, right, is that so now uh, I think with Beast and Forge, they've created this massive Cerebro or, or I don't know, the, the massive Cerebro where the thing, Xavier, basically what he does every day or every week or something, he copies everybody's minds. Like he copies the essence of people and stores it. And it's, it's actually like stored on some fucking Krakoan cloud. You know, and so what happens when somebody dies, we have five fucking mutants, right? That 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 creates the resurrection protocols, which is <laughs> which is this is one thing I love to th- throw back to uh, I mean, you go throw back shout out to Brian Michael Bendis. One of them is Gold Balls, which Gold Balls was introduced in Brian Michael Bendis' run on X-Men, which is this fucking dumb mutant that just creates gold balls out of his body. <laughs> but actually what Jonathan Hickam ended, ended up doing was it's not just gold balls, these are eggs. These are eggs that you can actually fertilize. The other mutant is Proteus, which is Moira Matagard's son. Which Proteus, I don't remember he has these. And he was in the X-Men cartoon. He was in the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I know him. He's got this reality warping type ability too. You have Elixir, which basically, which you would know, Rod, because he was in, in the X-Force, Uncanny X-Force. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy that you mentioned that because um, I legit got goosebumps when you said Elixir. Because like this whole time, I was wondering... I wonder if Elixir is part of the process because he has to be due to the powers, like considering what we're talking about. And another side note, just to educate the fans, Elixir is one of those really obscure but God-level powerful mutants where his ability is what? He can create, what, any element on a molecular level or like, like or some shit like that? Like it's no. something bugged out, isn't it? No, I think what he does is basically like the healer of the group. Like he He's has Jesus. Yeah, exactly. But he has he has both in his it's it's one hand is death, one hand is life. And he basically he can heal anybody from with one hand and he can kill you with another. I think that's that's his I that's his main thing. And he's an omega level mutant, apparently, too. So there's no limit to his power. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because um, I remember aside from that, there's something that involves like that he can do stuff to like bodily fluids along with that. 
like 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 it's it's more than that but yeah like for some reason his name was in my head as being part of this process but yeah go ahead so you said it was gold balls proteus elixir you got two more left well, okay i thought right you're gonna say something or i was done no but i, I wanted to hear the rest <laughs> right right, right. The other, so we said gold balls elixir proteus the other one another brian michael bendis creation shout out Barry Michael Bendis is fucking dope at creating character. He created Miles Morales for Spider-Man. He's creating us these. Ex- I love Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. So in his run, arguably my favorite comic run of all time, not to, not to cut you off, but his ultimate Spider-Man run is still hands down. Prior, I don't know. That <laughs> is one of my all time favorites. No, but yes. From start to finish. It's one of the best for sure. Yeah. So he created Tempest, which is uh, uh, Eva, Eva Bell. And Tempest is this, she's got this really cool time power, uh, uh, time, time manipulation abilities, which isn't just time traveling per se, but she can do, she can basically create a bubble where time goes slow or fast in that bubble. So you can imagine how that she'd be cru- crucial, right? We got gold balls creating the eggs, elixir and Prote- elixir doing some life shit to it. Um, uh, Proteus weird, war- like reality warping stuff. And then you got Eva you know, Tempest speeding it up to have the person become a, an adult again, like when they died. And the last member of the of the of the five—that's what they're called, the five. And what's cool is they're treated like almost like priests, like 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 religious people. And there's like almost a religion is starting to create around that, led by Nightcrawler, which is fucking a trip. Who happens to be a priest? Correct? Exactly. Yeah. And the last member of the group is Hope Summers. So Hope Summers was the the well, the first mutant born after M Day, which is this the stuff relating it back to House of M when Scarlet Witch created this world full of mutants, and she basically took it all back by saying no more mutants, and then like the mutant population was reduced, and then no mutants were born until Hope. Uh, and Hope's powers are weird. Uh, Hope's powers are like she like amplifies or kind of can like use everybody's powers if she's in proximity to somebody like it's it's like she's like a chameleon in terms of powers and so i the way i've read it described in the book that she's the secret sauce for 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 this the resurrection protocols and so the five working in conjunction when somebody dies create the vessel and all that kind of stuff and then xavier puts like the consciousness in the vessel and then they like fast forward it to an actual person and then they come back with the like right remember like what just happened before they died that's insane yo that's fucking nuts that's like holy shit like damn that's complex and luckily for them yeah and luckily for them that they have so many mutants and just to keep educating the fans you mentioned that beast and forge um had created a giant cerebro everybody knows who beast is forge is actually I think might be aside from Colossus, one of my favorite mutants. For those of you who don't know who Forge is, his power is that he's a technopath. So he understands technology so well that he can imagine and make shit that he doesn't even understand how it works. Like, like essentially he can say like, hey, I need a device that does this. And he'll make it, but he doesn't know how. He just made it. Like he's essentially like uh, like a nonstop 3d printer i guess (laughs) yes now yeah so you had mentioned that forge and beast created um cerebro so i didn't want the fans there's so many different mutants that like i've just been spitting off power sets throughout the episode just so people get an idea of like how complex and deep and all the fans that have been listening to this episode this is why i don't read this shit x-men is too (laughs) fucking massive for me 
But I highly recommend if you want to start reading it, start reading it now with that storyline with the House of X, Powers of X, and then the current X-Men run because they're doing a good job at explaining all of this and not just assuming that you'll just take it for granted. Because, for example, like we were talking about right now about the rebirth, right? They're, they're basically immortal. They're, they're coming back to life. But one thing that I was wondering when, when we were reading that is like, wait, so what 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 happens to the soul right like are these just clones like is this like fancy clones like they die and then it's just a clone with the memory of it like what does that even mean right because we do have like a heaven and hell in in, in the x-men universe in the marvel universe and they actually just started like that's why there's their religion happening nightcrawler started asking these questions like because he's catholic and shit so he's like what the fuck does this mean? So it's like they're doing it. They're going a slow burn, but it's deep fucking awesome stuff. So I highly, highly recommend you guys reading this. Fast forward, Mephesto gets involved. Probably, yeah. Calling it now. Ghost Rider goes to Krakoa. <laughs> That'd be epic. And shit. We had an excellent fucking ride. That was awesome, gentlemen. That might be one of the most informative episodes I think we've ever had as far as getting people into the trenches of our comic book reading adventures. And with that said, let's wrap this adventure up. Excelsior, as always, upwards, onward, and forward. And thanks for the excellent ride. I keep on saying X because I can't think of a better pun. And as always and as usual, I'm Chez. And I'm Miguel. And also, if segues were a stat that we kept, like most beautiful segues in an episode, I think this one would probably take it. Because there were ones that I didn't even expect you guys went on, like, a, a, you know, connected the topics. It was awesome. <laughs> and I'm Rod. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace. This Legion on Zoom. Laters. Legion on Zoom, starring and produced by Jose Perez, a.k.a. Chez, Rodney Martinez, and myself, Miguel Arce. Please subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or shoot us an email at legiononzoom at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at legiononzoom.com.